My dear sisters and brothers, the Lord is risen. Indeed, he is risen. He is truly risen. Let us rejoice and be glad. Ordinarily, I would preach from the center of the sanctuary, but uh, tonight I want to direct my words at the 13 uh, catechumens who will be, I should call you elect, I guess, who will be baptized uh, in tonight's celebration. We're blessed to have you become members of our church community. One of my favorite authors, he wrote back in the 1950s, so in the 20th century, was an English gentleman by the name of C.S. Lewis. And in one of his books, which is called The Weight of Glory, he said this to people like you who wanted to be baptized. He said, if you are thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you are embracing, rather you are embarking on something that will take the whole of you. I'll read that again. If you are thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you are embarking on something that will take the whole of you. And with that in mind, I'd like to ask you a question, those of you who are being baptized this evening. Are you welcoming Jesus into your life tonight as a short-term answer to your struggles? Or do you see him as a one who enables you with him to die to your self-centeredness so as to be raised up in his resurrection. In other words, is tonight's baptism a one-time event or are you embracing a lifestyle of Christian discipleship? The scriptures tell us that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, which implies there are many others. He went first and is a model for us as we celebrate the sacrament of baptism. But Jesus' experience, you'll, you'll be experiencing tonight. Since our celebration is rather long, I have three brief points to make. There's a doctrine of the church which is called the harrowing of hell. I'm sure that many of you are wondering, what is he talking about? because this is not a phrase we often use in the Catholic tradition. But this notion, the harrowing of hell, is based on one of the articles of the Apostles' Creed. I'll read part of the Creed and let you guess what phrase it refers to. In our Creed we say, He, Jesus, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. It's obvious, you know, it's the descent of Jesus into hell that some people refer to as the harrowing of hell. 
Now, we have to ask ourselves, what's a harrow? You know, if you're from a farm, you might understand that a harrow is a farming instrument like a plow that's used to break up and level the soil. When we speak about difficult things in our life, we sometimes refer to them as a harrowing experience, which means an experience that is extremely distressing. So when we talk about the harrowing of hell, we're talking about something that is very distressing for the devil and his followers. After his death, before his resurrection, the church believes that Jesus descended to the netherworld. He raided hell and rescued our ancestors in the faith. Adam and Eve, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah and Rebecca. All of these just people of the Old Testament, Jesus raised from the darkness of Hades. In the Middle Ages, they often painted this element of our creed. And what's interesting about it is the pictures that show Jesus pulling Adam and Eve out of hell show that he grasped them not by their hands, but by their wrists which is symbolic of the fact that we don't save ourselves, even a little bit. We're saved by Jesus Christ and him alone. And those of you who are being baptized this evening will experience this in some way. I mean, your life may be difficult. I don't think it's hell. But the point is that Jesus rescues you. That's what baptism's about, is being rescued or saved from our selfishness and sin. And we have one Savior who does that, Jesus Christ. So we rejoice at this wonderful moment in your life as a human being. The second point I'd like to talk about is the symbol of darkness. You know, it's a rule of the church, a very serious liturgical law, that we're not allowed to begin the celebration tonight until the sun sets and we have to finish it by sunrise tomorrow morning. Now, I'm sure we might see like we're going long, but we're not going to go that long. <laughs> now, this is a very difficult law of the church for us to enforce. Poor Father Dennis Gill, who is the rector of the cathedral and also the director of liturgy for the diocese, has a hard time convincing people, especially um, older pastors, and especially people who have a lot of elderly people in their parishes, that they can't begin until it gets dark. But the darkness of tonight is an essential part of our liturgy. And it makes no sense to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus at four o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. Jesus rose from the dead during the night after his crucifixion after being in the tomb for three days. And night is an important symbol because it's a symbol of all that is dark and dangerous in our lives. We're afraid of the dark, aren't we? Most robberies that take place 
in our society take place at night. It's a time that the thieves find advantageous. In movies, we're afraid when they enter into dark basements. It makes us nervous. Sometimes they do that foolish thing. And all of us hate nightmares. There's something about the dark that's frightening. And it's a symbol of death. In our liturgy tonight, we began with the lighting of the fire and the procession of the candle which represents Jesus into the body of the church. And all of you, except for those who are going to be baptized, received the light of Christ, a light that brings hope into the darkness of our lives. But the most important thing about light isn't the light itself. What's important is that light helps us to see other things. And that's what's important about the light of Christ in the lives of those who will be baptized. Being a Christian means seeing things in a different way than you've seen things before. To see things with the eyes of Jesus, with the mind of God, and then to act on them. So our prayer for you is that tonight's celebration will be truly a moment of light for you, that you'll begin to see everything in your life, your possessions, your relationships with other people, your relationships with God, through the eyes of Jesus Christ, with the eyes of faith. We pray that Jesus will truly be a light in your life. And then the third point I'd like to talk about is the symbolism of water, which is the most important symbol of your baptism. We began the readings. We had a lot of them, but the first reading was from the book of Genesis, the story of the creation of the world. In chapter 1 of the book of Genesis, we read these words in verse number 2, almost the beginning of the story. Now the earth was a formless void. There was darkness over the deep, and the Spirit hovered over the water. Water is presented as part of the first creation. And those of us who are Christians believe that through the power of Jesus, the water of baptism bring about a new creation. You entered the church building today in one way, but you'll leave after your baptism as someone who is entirely new. The waters of baptism are symbolized in the scriptures by the waters of the flood of Noah. You know the story of Noah and the ark? that God was very displeased with the way we messed up the world, and God decided to start over again. I hope all of you today, even the youngest young lady who's seven years old, but all of us here who are being baptized, understand what a mess you've made of your lives. All human beings do this, you know. The Lord made us for goodness, and we mess things up. The waters of baptism give you a fresh start, a beginning all over again. And those of us who are older and have been baptized for a long time envy you, and we wish we could start it over again ourselves. 
but it's a fresh beginning. You're, you're blessed people because of that. God wants to make you a part of his new creation. In the Bible, the waters of the Red Sea, which we heard about in one of our readings tonight, was water that rescued the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt as they headed towards the Promised Land. And the water rushed over Pharaoh and the troops that were chasing the Jews. The waters of baptism are symbolized by the, river, the, the, the Red Sea. It washes away our sins, just as it washed away Pharaoh and his chariots and charioteers. The Lord gives you a fresh start by washing away your sins. In the Bible, we hear that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the waters of the Jordan River. And when that happened, there was a voice that spoke from heaven which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. After your baptism today, God the Father will look at you and he'll see Jesus. All of us, whether we're men or women, become sons in the Son. We become daughters and sons of God in whom he is well pleased. Baptism is a moment where God chooses to love you even more than you can imagine. So be grateful to be his chosen, his adopted daughter or son. We also hear in the Bible, if you were here for, for Good Friday or Palm Sunday, you heard the story of Jesus' passion, that when Jesus died on the cross, the centurion took a spear and jabbed it into his side, and out of his side poured blood and water, which the church has always seen as the beginning of the life of the sacraments in the church. The waters of baptism flowed from the heart of Jesus. The blood that we share when we, when we celebrate the Eucharist and receive the body and blood of Christ is symbolized by the blood that poured from Jesus' side. He gave his life for you, not as a group, but each one of you individually. He, lo he loves you more than you can imagine. You know that after our world ends, after our universe disappears, after all the stars and nebulae have gone away, you will still exist because God loves you. And your creation was just the beginning of an eternity of love that God has in store for you. And we celebrate that tonight as we celebrate your baptism. Jesus touches the water through the blessing and the waters become a source of new life for you. Now I'd like to read to you just part of today's epistle from the letter to the Romans. You know, when you get baptized, it's like dying, St. Paul says. It's like being drowned. This is what he says. Brothers and sisters, are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Death by drowning. We were indeed buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in newness of life. That's what's going to happen, and we praise God for that gift. My dear sisters and brothers of the community who are here to witness the baptism, it's important for also for us to renew our own baptismal commitment. 
We've been working for that or on that since Lent began on Ash Wednesday. Six weeks of preparation for tonight. Not just for them, but for all of us here. We ask the Lord to open up again in our hearts the fount of love and life that was brought there when we were all baptized. <laughs> 